Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. I am your host, Kian Sabani, and joining me today is Om Arvind. Om, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, our usual co-host, Gabe Lestra, is out with an injury. He he did something to his back. I don't know exactly the details, but um, we wish Gabe uh, a swift recovery. He is now day-to-day. Hopefully, he'll be back for Wednesday's bonus pod, which we will preview Atletico um and that's just before the derby and um honestly like this podcast is like a very rare podcast we, we have like almost nothing to talk about i don't know like we were we were talking off air about what we're gonna say um i think we have a a general flow like we have a lot of questions that came in and we'll probably get to some non-patron questions tonight because we have time but um off the bat want to congratulate 14 maderistas who will be at the world cup uh, Ramos, Nacho, Carvajal, Isco, Asensio, Modric, Kovacic, Marcelo, Casemiro, Ronaldo, Cruz, Varan, Navas, and Ashraf Hakimi, um, who's Morocco side, also qualified yesterday. So congrats to all those. Oh, um, you know what's funny is that 14 I thought was a big number. It's actually not that big of a number for Real Madrid. I think at the Euros, we had like almost as many. Um, and now you take into consideration that Pepe's gone. Um, Bale didn't make it. And I don't know, I, you know, Benzema's not going to be there. It's kind of, it kind of feels like it should be more. Yeah. Um, the biggest news, obviously, um, like you know, Gabe and Sam and I talked about this very briefly on the on the midweek show. We talked about Bale's injury because it happened like just before we started recording. Um, what were you, what was your initial thought when you when you saw the news? Well, my first thought was like. Not again, because it's it's becoming more recurrent, these injuries over the past couple of seasons. And you just feel bad for the guy, you know. it's You, you think he's going to come back. He thinks he's going to come back. And then something happens with, you know, usually it's like his leg or something around his calf area that gets pulled up or it's his thigh or his hamstring. And it just seems to just keep hitting him and hitting him. And I, I honestly, like, if I was in his shoes, I would have given up a long time ago because it must be demoralizing. And there have been a couple of, like, tweets that have come out talking about the injury, and they've noted that Bale has only played, like, around 50% of the minutes uh, available to him since he's come to Real Madrid. So that's that's a pretty big number. And in his first two seasons, it was actually around, like, 70%, so it was pretty good. And then his last two seasons, it was like under 50. 
So it's it's really his last two seasons which which have hit him hard. And then you have this season, um, which is even worse, obviously. And I, that's really the question with Bale for me is 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 his is his health because unlike most people or or some people I shouldn't say most people unlike some people I don't really question his ability. I, I think when he's fit, he's a top five player in the world. He, he provides Madrid with a combination of qualities that. I don't think any other player can now with Ronaldo on the decline. And he's just really valuable in that sense. But at what point do we, with, I think he's like, he, he's going to, he's going to hit 30 soon. If he's not playing and he's just getting recurrently injured, at what point do we think that we should cut ties? Because we're essentially making a bet, right? Like the lo- at, when we hold on to bail that, Oh, he's going to be fit. Uh, for a large enough part of the season to make an impact. And if he's not, it's kind of a waste. So I'm starting now, like it, it's it's just been happening so often that I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't be the saddest if if we decided after this season, okay, we sell Bale as cruel as a thought that is j- just because of his injuries. But, you know, clubs kind of have to be ruthless in that sense. And yeah, that's just kind of the way I'm meaning right now. Yeah, I mean, look, I people like saying like he's gonna go in January. First of all, just pump the brakes; it's impossible. It's not gonna happen. Um, and these people do exist, by the way. I just, I think I, in a lot of ways, I kind of share your sentiments. I wasn't sure if uh, we were gonna have the same view or not, but you know, like you, you look at the list of like just athletes who are, who have just kind of their careers have have been like huge what ifs um and you look at it now even in the nba and you look at someone like Embiid, who is potentially he is like a unicorn he's unbelievable and then he he plays like 50 percent of the time he's on a minute restriction he doesn't play like and you, and you wonder like what is the value of a player like that and at this point like and I, i'm with you like the, there's no question about his ability i think if people are are questioning his ability i just don't think they, they can properly analyze the game to be honest um, <laughs> he's there's no question about like you know is what he can do on the field. There's no question. And he this it wasn't that long ago where he's shown that this season against Dortmund, against Sociedad, um, he was he's been really good. I wonder, like you mentioned, like the 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 injuries have been mostly recurring in the past two seasons. And if you go back all the way to Tottenham, like these this just wasn't an issue. And I wonder. Um, I wonder if there is a corner to eventually be turned or not. I remember, I remember being so fed up with Robin when he was here, and I was, you know, I, when he was on the pitch, I was like, "This is amazing," and I was like, I would always just trash talk all of the, you know, the, my friends who support other teams. Like I remember we were playing against Roma in the Champions League uh, knockout stages, and I was like, "You guys are done." Robin is playing, and then Robin would just never play in those games. I was trash talking about, and Real Madrid would lose. And it was so frustrating. And it was like, and then he left and you're like, well, he was great, but you can justify it because he just didn't play. And then he goes to Bayern and he turns it around. Bale is 27 right now. When we sold Robin, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, he was uh, 25. And I'm, and I'm just wondering, Om, is, like, is, it, is it something that we sell him and then he goes and he has a healthy career? I mean, like I see that I, 
that is a comparison I've been thinking about for the past two seasons whenever I look at Bale's injuries. And that's kind of the defense I've used, like, in the past when I'm arguing with, like, um, I don't know, like, Andra, who kind of felt the way I'm sort of feeling now at the beginning of the season. I use that Bale comparison because it is a good one, right? Like, that is the what if you sell him and then it turns out to be a mistake. So Bale, Bale's not 27, he's 28, but it's not yeah. 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 So it's that's kind of thing right like you got rid of robin when he was 25 and bale's 28 it's bale's a lot closer to his like peak or the years where he'd begin to decline than robin was and i think robin's game is more technical um i i don't think bale's a bad technical player and as we've discussed he's improved um technically um over the past couple of seasons it i feel like if if Bale's pace declines, which it's these are the years where that's going to happen, you know, 28, 29, 30, and the injuries kind of affect that, I I just don't feel he's going to be as effective and as dynamic. Um, Pace is a big part of Robin's game, don't get me wrong, but he's also one of the best dribblers in the world. Um, He's he's got a wick, I mean, he cuts inside, he's got a wicked curling shot. There's more technical aspects to his game, whereas when you think of Bale, he's a physical beast. Like, he's superb in the air. He's really fast. Um, And with his age and considering how his game is slightly different from Robin's, it makes me me lean more to the side where I think it's less of a risk to sell Bale, or as I think there's, like, less of a chance that he just goes on and explodes you know, for two, three seasons in a row like Robin does. Because I do think there's a chance if we get rid of him now, he goes to Manchester United and he has one brilliant season. But then after that, does he get injured? Does he, Does he? you know, drop off? Um, if you get my thought process. You, when we when we um, sold Robin, that was the year that Kaká and Ronaldo came. And and obviously, I think, I think most fans would just... just at that time, they, they had just forgotten about Robin easily because of the, the players who were coming in. And then, like, you know, a few years passed and you realize Kaka's a bust and Robin's fantastic. And then you're like, oh, man, imagine if we had the opportunity to see Robin and Ronaldo on opposite wings together. That would have been unbelievable. We think we saw it for, like, just a bit of some preseason and that was it. And then he left. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't... How deep is the world football talent pool at this point? This is my question. I and, mean- and 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 con- considering that Real Madrid financial muscle relative to the rest of Europe is not what it was when Real Madrid lost Robin. I do question about what is, what do you flip Bale for, essentially? And so this kind of leads us into the, and at any point I'm just jumping, but this kind of leads us into our first patron questions, which is from Sajid Reyes. And if you want to get a guaranteed response to your questions and get different rewards, go to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Um, you can get different rewards. You can get followed by the management account on Twitter. You can get myself to write an article about your choice. You can join us on the podcast. You can sponsor the show. A um, bunch of cool stuff there. Go check it out. Sajid says, with the bail injury for the upteenth time, is it time to use the summer to really beef up our options for both the current and future? I feel that it's time to trade in Benzema and Bale and acquire the services of Neymar and Gabriel Jesus, which would comfortably secure our post-PBC future. What do you guys think? Um... So, I don't. I don't know about going into so many names now. I, again, I, I think it's important to note that Real Madrid's financial muscle isn't what it was, and I think this is why we have so much emphasis on youth. I do. I do. Oh man, I I would be. 
again, like we have a whole season to play out. That's this is the other thing that we haven't thought about yet. Like we have, we're still so young into the season. Assuming Bale comes back uh, in January, because if he comes back mid December, I don't think they rush him for the Clasico, which is on the twenty third. Although who knows, maybe. But then you you also don't know if another month becomes two months, three months. I don't know. Um, I guess your first thought on this song, what is it? What is it like? Do you do? You, are you looking at names already? Are you thinking ahead? Um, yeah, kind of. Because if I'm thinking that, well, it's essentially the question comes to like, how much can you rely on Bale, right? Like, and and not just like rely when he is playing in the sense that rely in the big games. Like, how much can you rely on Bale to essentially win you a season? Because kind of like Ronaldo, right? Like, we've thought of Bale as the Ronaldo replacement for a while, and ability-wise, he was almost there. And I think in 15-16, he got as close as anyone could have imagined. It was incredible. But at this point, I just don't think Bale's reliable enough, right? Like, for Real Madrid to put kind of their hopes on him to lead an attack in with Benzema and Ronaldo dropping off, you would think it's really important that Bale's there, right, to take over, and he's just not because of injuries, which aren't really his fault. So, yeah, of course, I'm kind of looking at names, and honestly, I've been looking at a name that most people haven't been considering, and I don't know why, and it's Hamas. Yeah. Because we have, we will have an option to get him back, and he's doing great things at Bayern Munich right now, and with Say we sell Bale, I, I really don't think there will be a kind of playing time issue for him anymore if Zidane is willing to play him on the right wing. And if he is, I think Hamas would be a fantastic addition. Um, we've talked about before how, how good we think Hamas is on the right wing. Yeah. Um, that, that, would, that would kind of be my first option um, because he was already a Real Madrid player. He fits in really well. So um, that's why I wouldn't be that worried about replacing Bale's talent. And also... Real Madrid's strength is kind of like attacking midfielders slash wingers. Um, really, like, where our weakness is kind of now is, like, the striker position, right? Because we only really have Karim Benzema and no one else. Um, I think you're onto something. I, I think I think the the Hamas um, the thing, like, it came to my mind as well. I, I'm not sure. In the end, I still think the ball is in Bayern's court on that one. That's why I'm unsure of, mm-hmm. of you know, the realism of, of him coming back. A year ago, two year ago, two years ago, I would have thought it would be crazy if you would have built any Real Madrid team without James in your in your future lineup. Um, and then a sense to emerge, and then Isco made a leap, and then you know, and then obviously became a bit more expendable in, in Zidane's system. But again, like we sometimes we cling to these positions, like oh my God, there's no number ten in Real Madrid system. This football is not stagnant anymore. It's not about number tens and sixes and sevens and nines and fours. It doesn't matter. Like players are interchangeable. You saw and it ha- with Isco. You see with Asensio. Like you said, like James is one of his best seasons as a footballer was with Monaco on the right wing. That's that's yeah, where he, he Hamas literally. Was, yeah, Hamas was never a ten with Ancelotti either. I mean, not that we no. necessarily want to st- try to stick him in as a central midfielder, and I don't think Zidane would handle that the best. But it's not like this number 10 position ever existed in this side for Hamas to thrive in? Um, if we're thinking really long term, like I understand this, the whole Neymar thing keeps popping up and it's been popping up a lot lately. Um, Ramos made some jokes about it over the weekend. Um, 
you had tweeted it, I think, I think it was you. You tweeted something like when Neymar first got sold, you were like, this is his path to Real Madrid eventually. Like the yeah. same way OG Ronaldo did it, right? Yeah. I kind of see a world where I think Mbappe would come still before Neymar would. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still not losing hope on the Mbappe and the Mbappe thing. I mean, I've not lost hope in the sense that I think we can. I don't know. Um, Mbappe is like, how old is he now? What is he still? Eighteen or is he nineteen? Because I, I, I'm thinking like, I don't know. When Mbappe is like twenty four, twenty five, when he's basically conquered everything he can at PSG. He's like, okay, I want to move on to a new challenge at Real Madrid. Yeah, I, that's I don't... exactly how I say it. I think like twenty between 23 and 25 when he's entering his peak. Yeah. Neymar, I, I part of my like belief that Neymar will come to Madrid is just purely my desire to have a player of Neymar's quality and the fact that I was a big fan of his before he went to Barcelona. And then another part of it is that he... He did admire a lot of Real Madrid players. He admired Real Madrid when he was a kid. And it's clear that he left Barcelona under somewhat sour circumstances. So I don't think he would be like, oh, I played for Barcelona, so I have a loyalty. I, I think he'd be like, well, I like Madrid, right? Because like, he's, a, he's a very career-oriented player in that sense. He has friends in the squad too now. Yeah, and Marcelo is huge friends with Neymar. So I, I don't see a problem with him like coming. So, so like... Say this like whole Benzema deal, right? We have like let's say Neymar comes next season, we sell Benzema, and then we have Ronaldo as a striker and Neymar on the left wing. I mean, that's just incredible thought, right? Like, I, I, just... I just don't, I just don't think we could be stopped. So like, it's yeah, it's partly like just my own desire to have him, but I just I do think there are motivating factors for Neymar to come. Whether it will happen next season, I don't know. That would depend on a lot because Neymar has a lot to prove at PSG because he left there wanting to lead his own team. So, like, let's say he wins the treble, then maybe. But I, I don't think he's coming any any time, like, any any immediate time. So, like, maybe two or three seasons at the very least. Um, I, I've been tracking their, the, um, the health of their roster since the beginning of the season. And I love just hearing these reports about the internal drama and the implosions. My problem is I don't believe any of it. Like I'm not really, I'm really not sure how if I really believe it. If same, same. Yeah, but I would love for it to be true. Like I, I can see some potential for some of it being true. Like I can, I can picture the players being annoyed with, with Neymar just as the personality and the, and the privileges he gets. I also wonder like what the team dynamic is like. Like we talk about Neymar's loyalty to Barcelona and whether he would go to Real Madrid or not. I honestly, I don't think he cares. Like, did you see Di Maria's comments? I, think, I don't know when it was. Yesterday, two days ago. Yeah, I mean, that was that was slightly shocking. Um, but then again, like these guys are professionals. Most of them are career oriented, right? So when Real Madrid fans look at this, they're like, "Oh, we're fans, so we'd go to Real Madrid. We'd die for the club. You know, we wouldn't even accept a high salary. We, we'd like get paid two pounds per week, and yeah. like we just no. play, right? But these guys." These guys go to places to win, and they're thinking career first, generally. Like, most players are not like Nacho. Um, I, I do think, though, that Di Maria wouldn't have said that if he left Real Madrid on better terms. I, I think he would have a little more loyalty in that sense if he didn't feel like he was cheated out of a better contract by, by Florentino Perez and the board. So, like, 
yeah, I, I think it's both ways. I think it's like him looking at it in a career sense because going to Barcelona would be an excellent move for him. They could they could use someone like him, um, especially with you know Dembele growing into the role. Di Maria could help him do that. I just, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I basically said what I wanted to say. I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see any obligation to be loyal to us. I really don't. Yeah. Like I, yeah. You, if you're a fan, you have to realize that not everyone is a fan of your team. You know what the equivalent is on? Is if like in a parallel universe, where we we were actually good enough to play professionally. Like I get signed by Manchester City, and then pretending like I need to be loyal to them and not go to Manchester United at some point. Like, I, no one cares. And <laughs> uh, unless you're growing up as a Real Madrid fan or, you, or you've become such so attached to that team, like, it just, you know, it doesn't cross your mind, I don't think. Especially when that much money is waving in front of you. And, and the thing is, right, like, Real Madrid fans, I mean, and just fans in general, really, don't mind when another player from another rival team comes to our team, right? Like, that doesn't bother us because Raul... Um, it wasn't it wasn't really his fault, really, but he came from an, the Atletico Madrid Academy, and that has a lot to do with like the academy just collapsing. But he came as like from that youth system, basically an Atletico Madrid fan, and then he became a Real Madrid legend. So like that's why it's the loyalty in, in that sense. Like most players don't have it because it's it doesn't make practical sense. Like the way I think about it is if I was a young talented player. 17, 18 years old, I'm a Real Madrid fan, and then Atletico Madrid comes with, with an offer to sign me, and there's no indication that Real Madrid is going to sign me, and if I turn this down just because I'm a Real Madrid fan, who knows if Real Madrid will ever sign me? Of course I take that because footballers have so few opportunities right, to get signed like that. Of course I take that to Atletico Madrid because I may never get a chance to be a professional footballer again. So I you got to look at it from that perspective, right? It's like, am I going to have a career or am I going to be successful or not? And that's how like 99.9% of footballers look at things. Um, Sajid's question about Gabriel Jesus, like in a vacuum, I, I would always take Jesus, I think. And I think, I think Jesus has a lot of potential. But I think, again, the problem is here is that the way a lot of people think about this thing is that they just write down names that they would love to have and then they just assume it's, it becomes a reality. Gabriel Jesus is going to get paid really well. He Pep loves him. And they're building something really cool, cool and, and special there at Manchester City. Yeah, so I, 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 just, I just don't think it's easy to just come up with names and be like, well, let's just fit this, fit this in the puzzle and, and, that, and then call it a day, you know? Yeah. If Gabriel, if Gabriel Jesus, if I was Gabriel Jesus, I wouldn't. I don't know why I'd leave, unless I had this burning desire to play for Real Madrid, because, like you said, he's he's got a really good thing going there. Yeah. Um, he's under arguably the best manager in the world. Um, he's got a great system that's that's being built to maximize his strengths. Manchester City, you're an up and coming team who could dominate football like for the next six seasons. So unlike unless like the team implodes or something. I, I wouldn't leave and, and, and come and like compete with Benzema or, or something like that. I, I definitely stay where I was. Um, one another patron question, which is, is kind of just going to take us to a completely different direction. But uh, one of our patrons, Ilian Zako, is asking, "Whatever happened to Alex Febas?" So, in like just like a quick thirty-second spiel about Febas, 
He was Castilla's best player last season. Um, and I thought he was... It, I thought it was interesting because he was better than Enzo. He was better than Fede Valverde. He was better than... Uh, I mean, over the course of the season, he was better than Odegaard. Um, and out of all those players, he was the one that didn't get a top-flight La Liga deal. He's in the segunda with Zaragoza. Now, having said that, um, he's been really good for Zaragoza. He's been starting most of the games. He's pulling the strings from deep. He's playing as he like he was with Cassie. It took him a while to get going, um, and I've started. I've been able to watch him a bit more um, as the seasons progressed. Uh, as I just honestly just because it was impossible to put Zaragoza on the schedule when you're you're juggling a million things and watching ten thousand things. But um, he's doing good. Um, I don't know what happens and what his trajectory is, but if you remember, Jesus Vallejo was um, captaining Real Zaragoza in the Segunda, and then he went to Frankfurt, and now he's very promising. So just because he's in Segunda doesn't mean uh, Febas is not going to come good. Um, interesting question, Noam, from Owen Thompson, who is now also a managing major writer, and he's also working on this cool stat. So I think like Owen is um, going to be a really natural fit because... He works in the stats arena and he comes up with these really cool graphics and his job right now is, I think, is basically to come up with stats that we don't really get to see. Um, so he's always welcome. So his question is, if you could have dinner with one current, one retired, and one deceased Real Madrid player, what trio would you choose? Okay, so let's let's go, let's just break it down one by one. So you, you tell me your current one and I'll tell you my current one. So mine would probably have to be Ronaldo since he's my favorite player. Um and essentially, like, he's the one that kind of got me into the sport. So, you know, why not pick him? It's an easy choice. Yeah, I think I'd go with Cristiano. Yeah, plus he seems like a cool guy to hang out with. So, it's a plus. I, he's not my favorite player in the squad. But I, I think what I would do is I would sit down with him. And assuming that he would actually, you know, give honest answers and, like, be be happy to see me, which I, I don't know if <laughs> it would be. But I'd want to hack his brain about his routines. Um, his drive. I think he's one of those guys that would be a fascinating science experiment or like a, a really great book to have. Yeah, I, I don't think he'd want to sit down and have dinner with you. No, I don't blame him. Um, in that case, I'd choose Marcos Llorente. Oh, yeah, Because afterwards, he'd probably go and play some Mario Kart. I'm just, I'm surprised you didn't say Bale. No, uh, I actually think Bale would be the guy I'd choose. I don't know. It would be between Bale and Ronaldo. But I, the, the problem is that even though I like Bale more, I think the conversation would be more interesting with Ronaldo. <laughs> the most interesting conversation would probably be with Marcelo. Yeah. Marcelo's a good one. Um, retired, who would you get? Sidon, because he's the coach and he, he's a retired player, so I could like sit down with him and grill him about all his tactics and stuff. So, yeah, that's a pretty easy decision for me. Assuming you would grill him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd show my articles and be like, Zidane, you made mistakes here. What were you thinking, man? He would just give you political answers. Yeah. Um, me, for me, it would undoubtedly be Raul. No question. My, my biggest question would be, why did, you, why did you grow your hair out? Because that's when your decline started. <laughs> um deceased and De Stefano without yeah. a shadow of a doubt because he's he's just such a legend right yeah. like the whole the whole aura of the club 
it's just built around his image. So just to be able to be in the same room with him would be would be awesome. Um, I mean, it has to be Di Stefano. Although yeah. Puskas would be interesting too. Yeah, Puskas sounds like like an interesting guy, and he's my second favorite legend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> question from Halamadid on Twitter. He says, "How far was Kovacic away from becoming a starter before his injury, and will he get a start in midfield after the poor recent form of Kroos, Casemiro, and Modric?" So, I think generally, I think Om, I think he was close. Um, if he wasn't already there, because you know, essentially, he was there. Um, he started in big games when Kroos, Casemiro, or Modric, you know, just couldn't play, and he was phenomenal. Like there was no drop off, which was an unbelievable. Um, he did everything he was supposed to do. He, you know, defensively was fine. Offensively, he could. His ball carrying ability, has, by the way, has been sorely missed because the transition offensively hasn't been good. And defensively, I mean, I don't know how much Kovacic would have been helpful defensively in transition because I think it's more of schematic issues rather than a personnel issue. But in terms of how close he is to starting him, um, I think he's right there. I mean, like, yeah, I'd agree with that. But in the sense of the question, which is like, I think, is he going to come back and be a starter ahead of Kroos or Modric or Casemiro when everyone's bit? The answer to me is a clear no. Not um, this season anyway, no. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to take a lot, right? Because Modric, who I think has dropped off a little bit, is still arguably the best midfielder in the world. Kroos, Kroos is Kroos. I mean, he's he's arguably the best midfielder in the world. It's between Kroos or Modric. And then Kovacic is not going to take Casemiro's position because um, while I think he could do an able job as a defensive midfielder, um, Zidane obviously doesn't see him there, and I, I don't see uh, Kovacic playing there as an ideal spot for him. So it, it's going to take a while. Um, it, it might take two, two, another two seasons before like Modric is finally done and Kovacic could step in. But out of all the central midfielders we have, <clears throat> he's he's primed to take the spot of whoever drops off or whoever gets sold. Um, I think we'll take two more questions on. One from uh, Satyam on Facebook. He says, a genuine question for you. If you were Harry Kane, what would you have done? Move to Madrid where after every other bad game the fans boo you off and start asking for your head or stay at Tottenham where you have a statue built in your honor and the fans chant Harry Kane, Harry Kane, he is one of us. Um, obviously, this is clearly referring to the the Bernabeu and the fans in general. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I don't think players make decisions based on based on this stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like what's surprising when I was like thinking about this because I saw this question before and I was thinking about it. It doesn't seem like players like think about the Bernabeu and they're like, oh, the fans are mean, so I'm not going to come here. Um, if you always hear Madrid players after they come, they talk about it, but it's like they never considered that beforehand. So. If I was Kane, that's not the reason I wouldn't come to Madrid. The reason I would stay at Tottenham is probably because I grew up in their youth system. And that, like uh, like was stated in the question, I have a chance to become a real legend. So it's like between... And it's also that Tottenham's a promising side, right? Like if this was Tottenham in like 2013 or something, if I was Kane, I'd probably say I, I'd want to go to Real Madrid. But this is 2017. It's under Pochettino where Tottenham beat Real Madrid and drew with them. And and they have a, they have a really promising project, and you, 
imagine if Kane, if I'm Kane and I deliver the Premier League title to the Spurs fans, like that's just, I'm an instant legend. I'm arguably the greatest striker of all time. So sure, he could come to Real Madrid and build a legend, but like the the appeal of building your legend at Tottenham would probably be greater given given all the context behind the team, the manager, you know, and the history. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think the really great players see it as a, as a challenge because the if you actually get yourself through all that criticism, um, and you get to that pantheon of of really great players who can deal with it you all of a sudden go from like a frail mental player who's kind of, you know, disappointed in the fans and booing and whatever, and you don't fade away. You just, you your name gets, you know, you look at the names who who made it to that top, like Zidane and Raul and Di Stefano and Ronaldo and all these legends. And, I, and that's the legacy players want to have. Have you ever seen the movie Whiplash? Yeah. The, I think it's the beginning where it says like the two most dangerous words in the English language are good job. That's what I think of when I think of this stuff. Like, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's it's like that kind of drive and like just to prove people wrong is if you're great enough, you just do it. Uh, yeah, I I mean I completely agree with that. You know, great players can handle the criticism. They like Ronaldo. They sometimes enjoy it. They like proving players wrong. But having said that, I don't want anyone to fall under the illusion that this is a justification for what the Bernabeu does. Like. No. Having said all of that, as fans, we should probably not be booing our own players. Like it would be better if 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 we we acted like fans. So, <laughs> I mean, like there's kind of like a fine line there. Like, yes, players can deal with criticism, but like when you when you think criticism, you're like talking about from the media, from Barcelona fans, like yeah. not from Your our own. own stadium, which is supposed to be the twelfth man. Yeah, <laughs> none. It- the guy from Whiplash, he he would criticize, right? He would or he would be hard on the the drummer intentionally yeah. because he knew what he was doing. The the Bernabeu has no idea what what they're what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they have, they have no such intention. <laughs> um, last question is from Rebecca Teasdale, and I thought we could take it on because it gives us a chance to clear up something. Um, Rebecca says, "Why do you compare Ceballos with Vasquez?" I agree, Ceballos deserves more minutes, but. He, doesn't have the speed to be a winger, and we can't have all similar players, Cruz, Isco, Modric, uh, all being central midfielders and playmakers. We need fast wingers, and I doubt Ceballos could play there on the wing. We already um, shoehorned Isco in. So I think this is kind of, you know, we talked about in pre- multiple previous games, like almost every game this season, that Ceballos would have been a more interesting dynamic and addition and an overall more talented player um, rather than bringing on Isco every 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 game in the second half. Um, and I don't think any, either you or I or Gabe really said it with the intention that these two are similar players because they're not. But we think they bring different things and they can be, they can still come on um, as, as the first sub, you know, and they can be interchangeable. So do you want to like, kind of explain why yeah so the idea was like never to sub on Ceballos for a winger right because what Zidane's been doing is taking off a central midfielder for a winger and kind of going like a 4-2-4 type thing it's essentially a like for like sub so Ceballos comes on for Modric or Kroos or whatever 
and we have, um, you know, maybe Isco move wide, who's in a diamond, um, or something like that, right? So it isn't like a Ceballos for for a winger type substitution. It's Ceballos for another central midfielder, and we keep the three in the middle, and and we keep that formation. We just have a different person playing in that formation. Yeah, I think this is the thing. Was if you bring on, if you say you want to bring Ceballos on instead of Vasquez, you're not you're not saying Ceballos go play out wide. Um, you know, it's kind of similar to like how we 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 would put Hamas there. It's like you're not asking him to be a traditional winger who just bombs up and down the field. I think you're just looking for a different dimension. Danny Ceballos is a player who can break down really compact defenses. Um, and he does it with a similar vision that we talk about of Isco, but he's very decisive, I think. Um, you know, and this is this is from watching a lot of Ceballos film. Like and, and you go back to the under twenty one game just this past week against Iceland, who Iceland are very deprived of talent, quite frankly, but they're very well coached and they're very well organized. And defensively they collectively they play very good as a whole, even at the youth level, not just the senior level. Um and the team constantly just looked to funnel everything through Ceballos. And he played almost as a left winger, but he, he was mostly just cutting inside and shooting or, or playing these nice passes. And that's what Ceballos can do. Like like your point was you can push Isco out wide if you want. You can push Asensio out wide. You can um, just over, make overloads with the wing backs and keep Ceballos tucked in centrally. But against Tottenham in particular, like we always mention this, um, you could have really used a presence like that. I mean, ideally it would have been someone like Kovacic, but Ceballos would have helped too because the midfield needed help both offensively and defensively, and Ceballos can do that. And Vasquez is just hugging the touch, the you know the the right hand touchline, and uh, I just think it becomes really predictable that way. Um, we almost got to 40, 35, 40 minutes for a for a podcast that we had nothing to talk about. It's pretty amazing. Um, anything to add on anything to plug before we wrap it up nope no nothing um, we got obviously the big derby next weekend Isco is questionable unfortunately because um, he got a ridiculously rash challenge on him uh, and this is why we hate international football at least like international football like can bring a lot of excitement if it's like qualifier or something um, friendly yeah, this are, is a friendly yeah friendly should just be abolished I don't care if your team needs practice or rhythm. Forget it. No one cares. We you can you can get that in practice and training. Uh, watch videos. Do some team bonding sessions. And and I just think that international friendlies are really the worst thing. Although, like you know, if you're if you're a small country, it's probably pretty cool. But like, you know, um, the club trumps all. Oh, Marvin, thank you so much um, for joining me. And uh, for our patrons who are listening to this, we'll catch you Wednesday. We will do a preview of the Derby and probably have Jeremy Barron from Into the Calderon join us to help preview that game. Um, as always, Hala Madrid. Hala Madrid. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. 
Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.